So let's be real. Home is the place where all of the beautiful goodness Christ taught crashes headfirst into the ugly brick wall that is real life. But this is also where it starts to really matter. This is where we equip ourselves and our family with all of the tools, skills, and whatchamacallits vital to succeed in Christ. Join us in our journey to find light, positivity, and specific practical ways to make our homes little outposts of heaven so we can better brighten wherever we end up wandering. Welcome back to Outposts of Heaven, the podcast. I'm Emily Jordan, and I'm here, as always, with my sweet husband, Andrew. And Emily is officially, finally, fulfilling her lifelong dream of being a minivan soccer mom. Oh my gosh. <laughs> During that whole sentence, I was like, what did I officially do? What are you talking about? <laughs> Where is this going? <laughs> yeah, our oldest started soccer, and we have a minivan, and I'm a mom, so. You are a minivan soccer mom. Yeah. In all its glory. I am so excited about it, though. Although I would I'm... love nothing more. No, I would love a lot more, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm happy about it. So you can tease me all you want. Well, we hope you guys have had a good week. Thank you for jumping back on with us here at Outpost 7, the podcast. Um, If you're brand new, our mission, kind of like you heard in the intro, is to talk about Christ and talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ and how that applies in like your everyday life as a a parent with kids or in your home or whatever phase of life you're in, but as you try and build your own Outpost of Heaven, uh, trying to figure out what what that means for you. So that's what we are here doing. So welcome, welcome. Um, One little piece of business or news is that our friends from Liberty Youth Academy, Bonnie and Brayden, have started their own podcast called Abide in Liberty. So if you love those episodes that we did with them, we did two two episodes, part one and part two. And we do know that you guys love them because they had a a ton of listens. They had a ton of listens. So go ahead and go follow, subscribe to their podcast, Abide in Liberty. Um, It's really great, and you will be glad that you did. Yeah, I'm super excited. I will potentially... Uh, be on that or on their podcast in the coming weeks depending on I don't know what the recording schedule looks like but we talked about me jumping on there which I'm excited about I really enjoyed our conversation with them and I'd love to geek out more about teaching philosophy and the founding fathers and all that good stuff yeah well today's topic does not have much to do with that no so we are talking about a concept that has been an ongoing question for us. I feel like we have a number of ongoing like gospel questions that we that our answers are constantly evolving on mm-hmm. where we don't really understand how the calculus of God works. We know that he tells us to do certain things and he's promised us certain things and then there's a gap in between the telling of things and the receiving of those blessings and that gap there's a lot of unknowns in that gap mm-hmm. right and this isn't this applies to a bunch of different concepts or promises or a bunch of different doctrinal questions but that space i think is where faith comes involved uh, but even with faith your your answer your understanding is constantly evolving and changing depending on what's going on in your life yeah so this for us is this topic has been one of those ongoing questions that we have that our opinion on it has evolved and changed as the lord has taught us things and as we've gone through trials and struggles and and whatnot 
and as we've actually actively tried to improve. And that's the the concept of what it means to be hopeful. Yes. So we have an alarm set at 7 a.m. every morning. And it says, be joyously hopeful. It says, simplify and be joy- joyfully hopeful. Joyfully, joyfully hopeful and simplify. I'm glad that it has really... <laughs> it's every single morning and I still can't get it. <laughs> be joyfully hopeful and simplify. Yeah. So do you remember why we needed to set the alarm? Because yes. I... Like, I, I, I don't even remember. I remember. So, at the time, we were trying to figure out, like, hey, we have faith that God's promises will be fulfilled. And we have faith that he's going to, that he's going to win in the end. Mm-hmm. And that everything will be made right in the end. Mm-hmm. But we were having a hard time being energetically and joyfully hopeful in the meantime. I feel like we were enduring a lot of times. Yeah. We were like... And I think this happened in the early phases of the pandemic where everyone was just kind of feeling overwhelmed and think we're struggling with our career and with our young family and with a bunch of different stuff and with the state of the world. And so it was easy to just endure. That's right. Right. And so for you, what is the difference between being joyfully helpful and enduring? Enduring just sounds like you're either just waiting it out, whatever whatever it is, you're just waiting it out, or you are just like miserable. I guess that's the same thing as waiting it out. But but like you're just like miserable and you're just like gritting your teeth. Yeah, and like gritting it. your teeth and burying it, and it's like just trudging along, which is good that you're like you're enduring the trials or the the monotony or the the sludge you know but mm-hmm. like there could be a better way yeah 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 and, and that so was, that's what we've kind of been trying to figure out like what is what is a better way of enduring like what, what can that mean yeah and to kind of continue on that i think that god doesn't want us to just grit our teeth and bear it right like i think that misses the point when we're going through a, a trial or a struggle and I want to make this more more applicable and more real world so I'm trying to remember a specific thing that we struggle with regarding this do you remember something specific I think that no I don't remember anything specific but I think that um, it just seemed to be like one thing after the other that was just like hard and we were just kind of I wouldn't say sad, but maybe maybe a little sad. We were sad. just kind of like... It wasn't like sad, but it was like the absence of happiness. Just, <laughs> yeah, just kind of like, meh. Yeah. And, oh, this is one thing I wanted to say. What it was is we found like we weren't complaining or like being mad at God. Mm-hmm. We just stopped being excited. Yeah, it was really hard to get excited for It was things. like, all right, God, it's like, this is what's going to happen. It's fine. I'll just deal with it, and then you keep going. <laughs> and that's yeah. what it, it's what it felt like. It sounds um, so sad. Yeah. There was like a period, I think, in in twenty twenty, maybe maybe twenty twenty one and twenty twenty one. Yeah. It's still, but especially. I feel like now it's more exhaustion. Yeah, we have a different different but thing. Yeah. But then, it was it was a lot of that, and we were just really struggling with it, and I felt 
down. Like I, I don't feel like I'm complaining. I don't feel angry, but I don't feel happy and excited. I feel like I trust God that it's all going to work out in the long term. It's just I want to feel happy now. Right? Yeah, and it's it's an interesting thing to think about when when I think about hope. I think that you have hope when you're in the midst of like sorrow or trial or hardship but that like could could a person have hope if everything's going right does that make sense like yeah usually you focus on having hope when things are going wrong yeah and and so i want to preface this conversation by saying there are a lot of different ways you can study hope and i would encourage you to to study kind of the interplay between faith and hope i think there's a lot of interesting scriptural passages that aren't incredibly clear when you juxtapose them with each other Mm -hmm. uh, what exactly the difference between faith and hope is but if you spend some time kind of pondering it i found that that is a really fruitful place to be if you want to receive revelation from god about how the world works Um, I, i think there are some passages of passages of scripture that are intentionally intentionally not vague but contradictory so you have to spend a lot of time reaching out to god and asking about it and you can receive specific guidance and instruction revelation on on what that means and how to apply it in your life so we're going to talk about what it takes to have a perfect brightness of hope mm. which is a phrase that we find in second nephi chapter 31 verse 20 it says wherefore ye must press forward with a steadfastness in christ having a perfect brightness of hope and a love of God and of all men. Wherefore, if ye shall press forward, feasting upon the word of Christ, and endure to the end, behold, thus saith the Father, ye shall have eternal life. So, that idea of how do we have a perfect brightness of hope, and what does that mean, and how does that affect our lives? Because I think if we can get this concept of having hope down, it makes it so we're, we don't just endure trials. We don't just endure hardships. And th- that can be even good things that are just difficult, right? Like raising kids. Mm-hmm. Like if you have proper hope, if you have this perfect brightness of hope, it takes the, it allows you to feel joy in the midst of hard things. Mm-hmm. So I asked Hiram a few weeks ago. I don't know if, I think I told you this. Yeah. Yeah. I asked him, Hiram, what do you think it means to have hope? And he sat there for a second. He's so cute. And he had a real insightful answer. He said, hope is when you really want something good or really don't want something bad. So you hope- I'm impressed by that answer. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. And so he, he, he kind of got this first aspect of hope, which is right. a desire. Right. So we have to desire for something good or if the desire something bad doesn't happen Mm -hmm. which i think was that's something that most of us come that that comes easily for us right yeah it's easy to have that desire type of hope right but in the context of the gospel (laughs) that hope is a little more or it's a lot more than just wanting something than just like having a desire for something even though that desire is essential Mm-hmm. to hope there is a really cool section in preach my gospel which is for those of you who don't know it's a, a kind of like a missionary handbook 
So it's what missionaries use to study while they are on their missions. And there's a, a chapter, it's called, it's chapter six, it's called Christ-like Attributes, or How Do I Develop Christ-like Attributes? And then there are several Christ-like attributes, and there's really good uh, a really good description of each of the attributes, and then a scripture study and several activities attached to how to developing each of those attributes. So if you're looking for a good study, I'd highly recommend going and studying the um, how do I develop Christ-like attributes chapter in Preach My Gospel. Uh, at the very end of the chapter, there is a self-assessment where you can go through and rate yourself and kind of give you a pointer or, or an idea of which attribute of Christ you should or you could potentially work on next. If you are looking for... I haven't a, taken that in a long time. I should take that quiz. I think I took it last year, if I remember yeah, right. Yeah, it's been a few years. Yeah, it's like a BuzzFeed... Like a... a BuzzFeed quiz from God. (laughs) (laughs) So, preach my gospel. Or so in this chapter, there's a section on hope, and it says, "Hope is an abiding trust that the Lord will fulfill His promises to you. It is manifest in confidence, optimism, enthusiasm, and patient perseverance. It is believing and expecting that something will occur." When you have hope, you work through the trials and difficulties with the confidence and assurance that all things will work together for your good. Hope helps you conquer discouragement. The scriptures often describe hope in Jesus Christ as the assurance that you will inherit eternal life in the celestial kingdom. So that second sentence is what's really important, I think. Or the, Yeah, the second sentence. It is manifest in confidence, optimism, enthusiasm, and patient perseverance. So if you're in the midst of of a hard trial mm-hmm. and you believe that, okay, in the end of ends, God is going to make this all right, but you're not feeling optimistic, enthusiastic, or patient in your perseverance or and confidence or, or confidence, if you're not feeling those things, it can be a good indicator that it's time to reignite your hope fire. Mm -hmm. I really love the right at the beginning where it says to have an abiding hope. An abiding trust. Abiding trust. Yeah. That that trust is always there. Um, When I think of the word abiding, I think of like like a little buddy that's just like with you always. Always with you. Mm -hmm. It's abiding with you, you know. And um Sometimes it can be it can be hard to trust when things are going not the way you would like or not the way you're planning. It's hard to trust in the Lord that he has a better plan for you, but if we have that abiding trust, that abiding hope, like like that's what heavenly Father wants to see. Yeah. You know, like that that's what enduring really should be is is that abiding trust and abiding hope. Yeah. And so we see Hiram the first aspect of hope that Hiram correctly identified as a desire for something good is totally true. And then the next thing is it's a trust, right? So it's a hope, a desire for something, and then a deep trust that it's going to happen. And it should manifest itself as optimism, enthusiasm, patience, confidence. Mm -hmm. And so then the question is, how do we get to that point where we are not just trusting, but we're trusting and we're feeling excited and enthusiastic, right? Because I think it's, maybe I'm just worse than everybody else in the world. I doubt it. 
But <laughs> I find myself frequently in the midst of hard things, especially hard things that last a long time, right? Yeah. Hard things that aren't just, oh, this was a hard day, but hard seasons of life. Right. Where you're in hard seasons of life that last years or decades or your whole life. And you trust that everything's going to be good, but you're not excited about life or you're not excited about your hope or your trust in God. Mm-hmm. So how do we get that trust to change? And I would say for the sake of this conversation, and this might not be applicable in every situation or every doctrinal context, I would say that trust could be described as faith, but then like the optimistic, enthusiastic nature of that trust is hope. Oh, I like that. So faith is trust. Hope is like the mm-hmm. patience. Like the emotion, emotion of the it. The enthusiasm. Yeah, like the, the, the feeling. Yeah. Like the, the excited, positive, enthusiastic feeling and confidence is the emotional manifestation of, of faith. Now, that's, that is a definition that is only useful in a certain context. Mm-hmm. And th- that it's super interesting Again, to compare faith and hope, especially uh, Ether 12 is really interesting because if you read closely, it's seemingly contradictory the way that faith and hope are used throughout the chapter, mm-hmm. or the way that Mormon Moroni used them throughout like the last few books of the, of the Book of Mormon. I don't think they are contradictory, but it's kind of contradictory on the surface, and I think there's a lot of benefit that can come from examining and juxtaposing those. But for the sake of this conversation, I think it is a useful, actionable definition. Mm-hmm. So, how do we get to the point where hope is engaged? Where your faith goes from just emotionless trust to a deep and abiding enthusiasm and excitement? I would say my first step would be to Pray for hope. Yeah. I, it, to, to really like pray to have that excitement and that enthusiasm back. I think that is a, an excellent yeah. first step. And uh, that goes along with the next thing I wanted to share. So in there, there's a great set of essays called the Gospel Topics Essays. Mm-hmm. And they go through and they explore a whole bunch of topics. Originally it was just... I think it was 12 or 13 really controversial topics in church history or church doctrine. And then they just expanded it out. And they have some really good actionable definitions and functional definitions of a bunch of different topics. And there is a Gospel Topics essay on hope. And I I love the way that it was described here. The word hope is sometimes misunderstood. In our everyday language, the word often has a hint of uncertainty. For example, we may say that we hope for a change in the weather or a visit from a friend. In the language of the gospel, however, the word hope is sure, unwavering, and active. Prophets speak of having a firm hope and a living hope. The prophet Moroni taught, Whoso believeth in God might with surety hope for a better world, yea, even a place at the right hand of God. Which hope cometh of faith, and maketh an anchor to the souls of men, which would make them sure and steadfast? always abounding in good works and being led to glorify God. So, oh gosh, where was the part I wanted to emphasize there? So, I have a question. Go ahead. As you were reading that, I was thinking like, okay, this sounds like faith. And then it was saying that hope cometh of faith. 
Mm-hmm. Can you explain your thoughts on that? Hope cometh of faith. So I think, and this gets to another, let me share a scripture I think that, that addresses that. Okay. So Alma 13 verse 29 mm-hmm. says, Having faith in the Lord, having a hope that ye shall receive eternal life, having the love of God always in your hearts, that ye may be lifted up at the last day and enter into his rest. So, hope cometh of faith. Right? Mm-hmm. Now, there are some places that say faith comes from hope. Right. But for the for this definition, I think is is very useful. Hope comes of faith, where faith is a belief and a trust. But you then have to build on that faith to get to a point where you are feeling hopeful. And I think the answer of how you get to that point, or how you get from faith to hope, is the third attribute discussed now with 1329. Having the love of God always in your heart. So that love of God, so it's the, I love the, like, Kind of the ambiguity of that phrase, having the love of God in your heart, because mm-hmm. is that having is that, that we love God, or is that God's love for us? Yeah, or is it is it God's love for us individually? Is it that we love God, or is it God's love for His other children? Yeah, that He uh, gives yeah. us for each other. Mm-hmm. And I think it's honestly a lot. Like all of it. It's all of those. So looking at the scriptures, we've established that faith is kind of the base point, right? Like, you have to have faith. And then once you have faith, if you want to get hope, you have to have the love of God in your heart. And I think the love of God is the thing that enables faith to become hope or to develop hope Mm. from your faith. Mm -hmm. So then the question is, how do I get this love of God? And what I love about that phrase, having the love of God in your heart, is it means so many things, just like we said. Yeah. Right? I can think of at least at least three, right. potentially more. Yeah. So in Moroni chapter 7, verse 48, we get some more insight into how do we get that love of God in our hearts. And maybe a little bit more explanation of what the love of God is. It says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, pray unto the Father with all the energy of heart, which is what you were, you were saying originally. Okay, yeah. You have to pray for it. Mm-hmm. That ye may be filled with this love, which mm-hmm. he hath bestowed upon all who are true followers of his Son, Jesus Christ. So, being a follower of Jesus Christ comes with certain blessings. One of those blessings is a love that God will fill you, or like a love with which God will fill you. Mm-hmm. And, so, and again, I think it is intentionally vague because the love of God is a love of all people and all things. Right. Right. And so as you have God-like love, you love yourself more, you love God more, you love those around you more, and you feel His love for you. Yeah, isn't that interesting that like the more you can understand how much God loves you and the more you can turn outwards and love His children and Him, then like the greater your personal hope becomes. Right. That's, I like and, that. That's and really so, cool. and what we see next, it says, that ye may become the sons, 
and I would add, and daughters of God. So there's a, a really interesting doctrinal thing that you have to understand here. All of us are inherently children of God. Correct. Right? Yeah. We're all sons and daughters of God. But we choose to become sons and daughters of God again when we are devoted to Christ. And in actuality, that's one of the ways we become the sons and daughters of Christ. Right, because we are not sons and daughters of Christ. We're not, yeah, we're like, not like we are of the Father. Right. right. It's different. So there are a few ways in which the Savior is our Father or can become our Father. This is one of them. Mm. So when we change, so when we have like a change in our nature and we become sons and daughters of God or sons and daughters of, of Jehovah, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So that happens. And the way that happens is we have that love in us, that love of God, that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. So we see that, that there's that change in nature. We're like him, for we shall see him as he is, that we may have this hope, that we may be purified even as he is pure. Amen. So we pray mm-hmm. with all the energy of heart that we may be filled with his love, with love of God, and that as we are filled with his loves, his loves, his loves. <laughs> as we're filled with all of his loves, we become sons and daughters of God, and our natures change so we're like him, and we become purified, and that purification is the hope. So the more that we are actively using the atonement of Jesus Christ and repenting and changing to become like him, the greater our hope. Right. And I'm going to make it even more specific because I think sometimes we fall into this doctrinal trap mm-hmm. where we say, oh, all of these things are connected. So one thing means all things. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. And so we're saying, oh, well, if we use the atonement of Christ, then we become more hopeful. That is entirely true, but I think it's a less useful um, phrasing of what's happening here. I think I just, and I'm sure there's people like me too that understand what I'm saying, but I think I just sometimes want a formula. There's like, give me a formula so I can get a result I or think a blessing, that, I you think, know? I think... And so we try to create these formulas. And I think that's entirely valid, and I do the same thing. Mm-hmm. I think the danger we run into is when we kind of just gloss over the differences of different aspects of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm, yeah. Like saying the atonement of Jesus Christ is a very easy catch-all. And so we find ourselves saying, when we, like what you just said, yeah. and I, I say that not, not criticizing you or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I think we do this naturally, like all of us. Uh, we, we think, oh, Having faith is like having love, and having love is like being hopeful, and having hopeful is like being diligent, and having being diligent is like, like being, I can't remember the other attributes having of Christ. Having integrity. Yeah, having integrity, or, and that's just like being obedient. And so we end up kind of... Like, like smooshing. Yeah, you end up kind of making a smoothie instead of a gumbo, <laughs> right? And we're going for a gumbo here, right? That's what the, the gospel is. It's, it's supposed to be a gumbo where each little individual piece adds to the value of the whole but there are still like individual pieces that have specific influences Mm -hmm. so while yes it is entirely accurate to say the more we use the atonement of christ the more hopeful we're going to be i think it might be a more useful phrasing to say 
the more we are filled with the love of God, the more hopeful we are. Or in other words, being hopeful is being loved or knowing that you are loved. Or to, to, to use the phrase Alma used, being hopeful is feeling the need to sing the song of redeeming love of Christ. Mm-hmm. So having felt the Spirit, having felt the effects of the gospel of Jesus Christ, or having faith, do you feel to sing the song of redeeming love? So it's that love, like feeling loved, and then feeling loved so much that you want to express that love. Mm-hmm. That is hope. Wow. And, yeah. and and I think it's it what I love about that is it's not it's not an intellectual thing. It's not a knowledge thing. And I, I think it's so beautiful that it's because it's not a knowledge thing. So the thing about knowledge and like understanding theology and doctrine is that requires study. Right? Like that requires intentional education. Gospel education, but education less. Mm-hmm. Whereas hope is an entirely relationship-based thing. It is basically having a relationship with God and then feeling that love from God. Wow, yeah, I love that. And that is accessible by everybody. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think yep. accessible by everybody inside and outside the covenant. Right. Right. Anybody who feels loved by deity, Mm -hmm. loved by however they understand deity, because God is trying to talk to everybody. Right. Right. Anybody who's able to feel that love from their father, regardless of how they understand him, um, they can have, they can feel loved by him and they will have a stronger desire to love others. And that's hope. It's just being loved and feeling loved and wanting to love others. I love it. I love it. And so I think there's yeah, that that is a deeper level of conversion than just a doctrinal understanding. Mm-hmm. And so out there, listeners, if you are wondering, how do I do this? I would say, ask yourself, when was the last time, again, to use the phrase of Alma, because I think it is extremely applicable here. When was the last time you felt to sing the song of redeeming love? And when was the last time you felt so filled with the love of God that you wanted to cry out or write poetry or go and serve somebody or you felt moved to action by the love you felt from your Father in heaven? Yeah. And if you're not in that, if you're not in the a space where you felt that for a while, I don't think you're a bad person. I don't think you're doing things incredibly wrong. I think you're a normal human being and we you just have to say, I, I want this feeling again and then recommit. Yeah, and I think like go to the source, go to your heavenly father. We have a promise from our prophet President Nelson. I almost said Monson. <laughs> <laughs> President Nelson. He said that if we go to Heavenly Father in prayer and we ask him to show us how he feels about us, he will tell us. Yeah. And I think this... Or show us. I don't remember if it's what he said exactly, but basically that. He said it so many times, he probably said both. Yeah. <laughs> and the, 
again, the, the beautiful thing about this is that God wants you to feel loved. And if you start actively trying to feel his love, he's going to show you. <laughs> he, he loves you. Yeah. And so if you stop making excuses to explain away his love and instead just start looking to, to be loved, it's going to happen. I love, I feel like I've said that all these, all this whole episode, yeah. but like, I really, really love that. Which part? The That we need to be looking for how he loves us. Yes. And stop making, looking to yeah. feel loved and stop looking for justifications. Like why, or why he, stop why it, he shouldn't love yeah, us. Stop excusing away his love. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love it. And as you do that, that is the essence of hope. Yeah. And, and how does this apply to us as, you know, especially as, as young families? Because I think that's a lot of our listeners. We have a lot of young, believing families. And I think it comes down to look at the areas of your life where you're feeling hopeless, right? There, there are probably tons. You know, sometimes the late night or like the uh, trying to get through scripture study, trying to get through family home evening. If you're doing that <laughs> over every week or every day for the week, you feel like you are just dragging kids, kicking and screaming through scripture study, it can feel pretty hopeless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yep. <laughs> or yeah. when you are way overbooked and you feel like you are super stretched thin and you're trying to do everything you can and then a sister from the ward or from your congregation calls you and says, I need help with this or I need help with something. And you're like, I don't know how I'm going to have anything else to give, but I have to go help. So you go and help and you feel exhausted. And you're like, why am I not kinder while I'm serving? Why, why am I not happier about this? Or when you go and do, you go out with the missionaries, you go out on a service project and you're just you're struggling. First, I want to say you're, doing the right thing you're with you have so many people in your camp that are also struggling with that and if you can step back and ask yourself am i feeling to sing the song of redeeming love right now frequently the answer is going to be no when you're in the midst of these trials (laughs) and i think that's totally fine (laughs) but just don't be in that space for too long right and i think as we One thing I've noticed is as I've gotten better at recognizing when I'm in that space quickly, when I'm enduring Mm -hmm. the the struggles of life and of young family parenthood, as if I'm just enduring and gritting my teeth, I can stay in that space pretty much forever, right? Because if you're devoted, you have faith, you can stay there for a long time. But that's not what the Lord wants you to be. He wants you to feel loved. So... Stop looking for excuses or stop looking for reasons to excuse away his love and start looking for reasons to accept his love or ways to accept his love. And do whatever you need to do to feel that love. And like Emily said, it starts with prayer. You pray for it. The love will come because as you feel love from God, you will start to feel love towards God. You will start to feel his love for you. And so you will start to love yourself more and you will start to feel his love for people around you and you will start to feel love person like your own personal love for them more. And then <laughs> you will 
have a stronger ability to be enthusiastic and excited in the midst of struggles and when you're not in experiencing struggles. If you give a mouse a cookie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you for sharing all of that about yeah. Hope, Andrew. You yeah, thank you. I, great job. I, I really enjoyed studying this topic and thinking about it. It's something that we've had as part of our marriage discussion, like our marriage discussion. We've had a lot of heartfelt, tear-filled discussions <laughs> about this. Yeah. And so this is something that is... It's been a hard-fought lesson, and so hopefully you can get this lesson without quite as many tears, and you can learn <laughs> uh, from our mistakes. Uh, but it, it's it's something that's really it's really it's been a really powerful lesson for me personally, and I think in, in our marriage. And we probably don't have time to talk about this, but in our morning alarm, like Emily said, <laughs> the first part was. The, the first part of the alarm is simplify or the second part the other part the other part yeah. I think it's the second part but. it is simplify mm-hmm. and for us that meant getting rid of all all of the extra things you know if you haven't listened to the episode with my grandparents please go back and listen to it it's probably like two episodes ago yeah it was one of the best episodes we've done it was fantastic and one of the reasons I loved it is we asked these questions like about how do we deal with the struggles of modern life as, as young married couples in the church. And I was looking at all the struggles and thinking, oh, it's so complicated, so much harder than it used to be. And their answer was just be faithful. Yeah. Do, do the little things. Yep. There, there's no There's no big magical formula that's going to fix everything you just got to keep doing those small little things and then it works out and it was just that simple hope and it was so powerful for me to hear that witness from them and it wasn't a deeper understanding of the doctrine that made it possible for them it was knowing not even knowing it was feeling the love of God in their life. It was feeling loved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you haven't listened to that one, go back and listen to it. It's episode 146, What 50 Years of Covenant Marriage Can Teach Young Latter-day Saints. With Fantastic. Tim and Kathy Cotton. Fantastic. All right, hon, I've talked for way too much. So what? <coughs> what is your love or less than love? My less than love? I guess this is also a love, too. But my... Less than love is that today, Wednesday, is has officially been the first day that I have not nursed Shiloh. And that's very sad for me. It's been nine months and a couple change. weeks. Nine months and some change. And that's the longest I've lasted nursing any of my babies and it has been a wonderful time. Yes. I'm going to cry. It's fine. Yeah. Um, I've really loved it. I've loved our time together. And, um, yeah, I've really loved it this time around. Yeah. And so it's been really sad to, to have to wean him off. But. Well, I'll, I will then, in honor of your 
of your sacrifice and of your your love or your less than love, I will make my love that you love to breastfeed our kids. I think I, I love seeing you like rooted in the physical nature of of motherhood. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think <laughs> breastfeeding is extremely attractive and awesome. Like attractive in like a you are a woman and I love okay. you. Like it is I think it's awesome. Like it's just it's so it's it just feels like so rooted in our mortal existence or root like rooted in an earthy. Yeah. We're on I this like it. potentially hippie earthy kick. Not a hippie, <laughs> but I like it. But yeah. I'm kind of a hippie. Okay. Zach yeah. uh, and Logan have been calling me hippie lately. But I've been calling them hippies as well. Okay. Well, we're a bunch of hippies then. Maybe. No, we're not. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's been it's been a good time. It's a good season, and now it's time for him to pack on some pounds that I couldn't give him. So formula's gonna do it, and and I'm okay. Yeah. He's happy, and I can learn to be happy. <laughs> no. Yeah. You can be enthusiastic I'm, and optimistic. I'm trying to like be like satisfied with just being grateful with the time that I was able to nurse him and and then just like look exactly like be hopeful and look look to the future and just be like okay like this is the closing this chapter and now we're moving forward yeah. and be like optimistic but I today was a little bit sad well and I think but. it goes back to the conversation we had like maybe a year ago about romanticize romanticization romanticize R- that's right romanticizing but like the process, I think romanticization is a word. Okay, whatever it is, mm-hmm. uh, I think it is totally helpful and healthy to romanticize the past, as long as we are also romanticizing the present and romanticizing the future. Yeah. And I know it's hard to like not just do one of those, mm-hmm. but if you can do all of that, if you can romanticize everything, just, like see some good and. And yeah. right now. Yeah, I see the beauty of yeah. right now. and and Yeah, I mean, I got down my box of clothes that I, like, dresses that I can't nurse in. I got it down, and now I can wear whatever I want to church. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> but it means, yeah. hey, Shiloh's getting older, and he's going to get, he's going to be able to gain the weight he needs. Yeah. Like, that's no, really good. That's exactly what, yeah. That's really good. Yep. And then also means that he's going to be more independent, and he's going to be you're going to have, uh, like, a little bit more freedom. And so there are... You have to, like, find the yeah. good things in every phase yep. without... And this is the thing that I don't like about oh, the way a lot of people approach the past is they try and downplay the value of the past. Mm. Right? Yeah. If they want to, like, focus on the present or the future, they downplay, like, the value and the goodness of the past. Right. But you don't have to do that. No. Yeah. <laughs> you do not. All okay. right. Everybody, if you have been enjoying the podcast or you enjoyed this episode in particular, please like us. I mean, like us and like like the podcast on whatever whatever platform you're listening to. Like us, leave us a rating, review, and share this episode with a friend. That's probably the biggest thing you can do to help is just share the episode, put it out there, tag us on Instagram, and we'll we'll share your story on our on our feed. Yep, we're. Um, on Instagram at Outpost of Heaven. All right, guys. We love you. Keep the faith. Bye.